Thank you, everyone. Uh, welcome to Meet the Masters today. I'm joined by uh, Christy and John at Gebhardt. Good, good morning. I guess good morning, early afternoon to you guys. Good morning to you too, good sir. To you. Yes, sir. How are we doing? Just doing great. great. You were saying that you got this is your your first bit of snow. What are you What are you expecting? Well, I've been shoveling this morning already. There's about three inches of wet snow. It's perfect for snowballing and snowmen. So. And snow women, I guess, also. No, that's important. No, that's important. You can only build snow people um, a couple of times a year here because it gets so cold, the snow gets too brittle. So you're gonna have to take advantage of that early wet snow or the late. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> things you probably never realized that you'd have to uh, take into account. <laughs> exactly. We basically get. We're. I'm in Delaware. We basically just get slush all all winter. We don't get a lot of big snowfall. Gotcha. Now, I understand that you guys were recently in uh, Montana for a wedding, right? Yes, we were. Yep. My parents live there and uh, have lived there since 1965. And uh, we have a rather large extended family and uh, the wedding helped culminate that into a large family reunion. So we got a chance to get everybody together and it was big and boisterous and it was fantastic. That's awesome. That's, that's good to hear. I, I love that part of the, the country. I've been, been out there a couple of times and have always enjoyed my time out there. Um, you guys are also gearing up for a, a Stojang move, correct? Oh my, we've been gearing <laughs> up for several months now. Um, note to anybody who's thinking about getting an SBA loan, um, it takes forever. Oh. We've uh, we found this property in January because um, with COVID and numbers going down and uh, having a huge facility and uh, having to make all the payments without the students that we were used to, we just knew it. We said we can't continue with the uncertainty. At our first of all, let me say I huge thank you to all of our students because they did allow us to make our rent throughout the sure. whole. Um, yeah, throughout 2020 and up until now, I mean, without them, uh, we'd have been hurting. <laughs> so anyways, that, but, you know, looking ahead to the uncertainty of the future and um, the mall has, uh, they're raising the rent again. Uh, we've had a leaky ceiling for over 10 years now in one room, you know, things like that, where um, we saw this property and we thought, you know, it's smaller, but at least it'd be ours. And it was at a steal um, due to COVID and everything. And they were, it was university property and they wanted to uh, dispose of some of their, um, in their buildings that weren't really generating income. So we really got a, a good deal. But like I said, we started this back in January. Wow. It's supposed to, the debenture is supposed to be funded October 13th. <laughs> That's how long. And I mean, it has been a constant and redoing information because it, came out dated during the process you know that kind of thing right. but um we're we are so it's been kind of a long thing but this week at tomorrow we're actually having our open house oh great yes and so today we're planning to finish getting everything out of the other studio um which was a, a big chore too i was gonna ask that because you know considering how long how long was the studio at that location a long time right 33 years <laughs> Long, long time. And we're talking locker rooms that had to be dismantled and every attached fixture, um, stretching rails and uh, shelves and all had to come down and then everything had to be fixed. So he retired uh, June 1st and took on a much more full-time job. So, <laughs> I know how to retire a shoebox. Yes, we're learning as we go. We're getting really good at these things, you know? <laughs> Are you ready to get another job, John? <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> it's uh, been an everyday type of thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't, I'm sure. Don't ever, uh, don't ever glue shelves and stretching rails to sheetrock. Oh. <laughs> At the new location, we're like, no, we're not going to put a million staples in the wall because it leaves a million staple holes. And yeah, we're learning. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. I always joke, it's, it's like you, oh, you want to be a karate instructor? You're also going to have dabble in uh, construction and mm -hmm. being a janitor. And <laughs> you're 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it's hard to remember that it's also a small business as well. 
Uh, we've got some people saying hi. I just want to uh, chime in on this. Um, Ruben Torres from Puerto Rico. Got awesome. Lindsay from Great Britain says hello. Paul Jones from, I believe, Great Britain as well. And uh, Tim Wagnon, my buddy, uh, my master's clinic buddy from Alabama says hi. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. Well, tell, tell them all hello for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's one of the cool things about doing these interviews is, like you said, we, we, we hit Puerto Rico, you got Alaska, Great Britain, Alabama. Um, if anyone has any questions, would like to uh, share your question, please feel free. Um, I sent you guys some questions. I also got some some stuff to ask you after uh, interviewing Sonny. So uh, <laughs> I've been looking forward to chatting with you guys. Um, so let's get started with how you guys, how did you get started in the martial arts? It, well, you can, you want to start your interests earlier then? Well, I was always interested in uh, uh, karate in high school, but living in uh, the Flathead Valley in Montana, there was no martial arts available anywhere, but it was always in the back of my mind. So that's where I first uh, uh, got an interest in it. But then I went on the, on the road for several years and uh, met Christy in California. And then we migrated up here to Alaska and started a family. And then we actually got started in a, a two rivers where we live. They had a community program a couple of days a week where we could uh, take the kids and that's kind of got the whole ball rolling. What, and to, just to add to that a little bit, um, I grew up in California. And so when I was in high school, there were two girls who were fortunate enough to have martial arts classes and they didn't have to do PE. Can you believe that? Oh. You know, for some reason that excluded them from PE. But anyways, I was interested in it too. And then a, uh, one of my best friends in uh, college used to kick my ceiling all the time. And I was like, wow, I wish I could do that. You know, but once again, no um, experience whatsoever um, until, well, we started actually in Taekwondo. And uh, that was, I think 1988. And uh, we got our kids involved because our second son, um, he was four and he's hyperflexible. And so the doctor said, you know what, if you wanna keep him out of a back brace, you better get him in something um, a little more physically uh, demanding. And we thought, hey, it was Ninja Turtle time, you know, everything else. And the kids are on board. So we took our two oldest and um, like I said, they started Taekwondo. And then um, uh, when Master Wick had his uh, satellite program at our local elementary school, Sorry, I talk fast like Sunny. I'll try to slow down, right? <laughs> You're good. Um, it was, well, they were saying that, okay, first of all, we have six kids, okay? Right, I was gonna, I was time, gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, at that time we probably had five and um, the oldest was gonna have to go at a different time. And we're thinking, you know what? We live 45 minutes from town. They, you know, having him go at this time and then having to take the other kids at a different time wasn't real convenient. So that's when we switched to Master Wick School um, out at our local uh, elementary school. And then from there in the summers, so we did that during the school year. In the summer, the kids were allowed to go to town to train to the actual studio. And so as soon as they got a taste of being out of a school gym and in a studio with pads and you know heavy bags and everything, oh, we couldn't go back. So. <laughs> So from, we started in town at about 89. And then, when did I start? I, oh, <laughs> I know when I started. 92. Okay. All right. Um, this, uh, maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll wait because it, it has to do with demos and things. And so if you want me to wait until. A, a no, I, I, we have, I have no outline. So feel okay. free to interject. We can, no, we can go on tangents for a whole hour. <laughs> well, at that point, we had three kids uh, training. And it was the 1992 World Championships in San Diego. And uh, we're going to, Master Wick was going to do his first demo team for the studio. We thought, okay, cool. Well, another um, parent, Pat Shannon, had just started training. I hadn't started training yet. And we started reading the rules. And this was about a month before competition. And we're going, oh, what do you mean there's supposed to be a theme? What do you mean we have to have costumes? Oh, no. And so she and I got busy trying to come up with some sort of, because um, she was actually in the demo, um, some sort of theme. We ended up going kind of Alaskan. It was not very good. I will be the first. I mean, it was when I look back on that, I go, oh, my goodness. The only reason we placed was because some really amazing teams went over time. 
or got disqualified for something else. I, honestly, I'm being extremely. <laughs> <laughs> Our students did great, but we just didn't understand. Um, you know, they didn't even walk out on the floor far enough to be seen very well. And uh, believe it or not, we had a bear costume. Yeah. If that tells you anything, all right, kind of gives you an idea of how. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was. Anyways, um, <laughs> so after that. Um, I was hooked and I was like, okay, um, if I'm gonna get involved like that, may as well get on the floor. And uh, Pat, the other uh, student, kind of encouraged me to come along. So that's when I started. And then he waited a few years until our- After fifth, she got her black belt. Well, when our, yes, when our fifth child turned three, because okay. of course somebody had to watch kids sure. while we're training too. So it worked. <laughs> So that was that was you, John. You you were the babysitter, and then well, hey, what, babysitter, taxi driver, get them home, <laughs> and then she'd come back later after her training sessions and stuff like that. So when had you always wanted to get involved, or it was just a time where you finally were like, okay, I can get out there as well? Yeah, well, we were uh, we were fortunate in 1996 to receive a family of the year in the Tongsudo oh. World Championships in 1996, and I was the only guy on stage besides. Uh, uh, master Sunny at the time, she wasn't a master. She was then. a baby. She, she was a little baby. <laughs> Everybody else was in uh, dough box and up front, and and so I said, well, it's might as well go all in and get everybody involved. So that's when I decided to go ahead and start training after that World Championships. It's kind of funny to say, everyone, like as if you weren't involved. Like you said, you were the the shuttle and. <laughs> Oh, and he had to make the props for that demo I was talking about at the last minute. You know. Oh, he, really? Did you make the bear costume? Yeah. <laughs> I made spears out of styrofoam and broom handles and <laughs> kayak paddles and shields and all sorts of stuff. They looked pretty cool at the time, but looking back, they look pretty hokey now. But. That's so. You know, I've I've done my share of uh, demonstrations, and especially when you have, you know, I don't know how many people were on the team, but. You know, when you got to outfit 20, you know, 20 people with with props, you're like, you just got to you just got to make it happen. Exactly. <laughs> well, knowing what we know now about demos that they take a year of just concerted effort or two years, you know, with the planning, the music, all that stuff to, to jump into that 92 with one month was just in, insane. I think that's the first, first year they had the creativity uh, competition i believe was 92 i actually don't know i think you're probably right that's that i'm sure someone uh you know if if we're wrong someone will correct us okay um, but that sounds about right um and that was in uh yeah in san diego so san diego, yes. what what led you guys to alaska was it work well my uh my father was in the communications business he started in 1956 um he grew up during the depression and uh, he was, um, there were contractors that came through these small towns at the time that were converting uh, magneto telephone systems, the old crank style systems to the first dial telephone systems. So they wouldn't have to have a local person hooking everybody together that made phone calls. So he got hired, uh, they would send, um, it was North uh, Automatic Electric out of North Lake, Illinois, actually that was the parent company and they hired foreman they would send one guy into a town he would recruit local people from the town to work and then he would pick the best of the best and then ask him if they wanted to continue in that occupation and if they did they started going on the road and doing telephone work and uh, that's what my dad did uh, my grandfather uh, had a farm there uh, he was able to put that into the soil conservation bank so that he didn't have to farm anymore which gave my dad kind of an out um, to go on the road and know that my grandfather was going to be secure with an income and being taken care of. So we traveled all over the United States for about um, 12 years and um, really was a great, great time. Uh, but one of those trips he made in 1964 was to Fairbanks, Alaska. And we lived up here for a couple of years at that time. Uh, I was on my first uh, moose hunt when I was six years old at that time and then he we left there and traveled some more he bought a place in Montana and then we came back to Fairbanks in 1969 for a couple of years and the winter of 1969 it was 70 below zero 
and 14 feet of snow in December and January of that year. And my mother looked at my father and said, I am never living another winter in Fairbanks, Alaska. So, <laughs> and I was on a couple other, uh, you know, outdoor activities and fishing and uh, with my dad and a bunch of his friends. And I really got a, got a good impression of it and wanted to come back at some point in time, so. So while he was on the road, um, he did telephone work too, and he was a contractor, mm -hmm. he'd travel around um, after he grew up and went away. So we met, um, this tells you see how old we are. Um, General Telephone in California, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they didn't have their billing online. And so we were right at the beginning of starting to have that process put into place. And um, I was the systems analyst at, we had three processing centers, he was putting in the phone system. I was in the computer room, um, trying and you know sometimes 24 hours a day trying to get these loads to go. And uh, he asked me out, and I turned him down. And then, but he was kind of persistent. And then one day he just said, "You want to get married and move to Alaska?" I was like, "Fine, let's go." Because <laughs> well, <clears throat> the thing was, we had we had just gotten this whole system up and running, and literally it was I'd written 16 volumes of standard procedures manuals, and I mean it was a long process. And um, then as soon as we brought in the service reps and they tried out the system, um, they said we had that the system couldn't handle it. The response time was too slow and that we were going to rip everything out and start over again. And about that point, I was like, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, sure, let's go to Alaska. That's, and that's, right. honestly, that's honestly what we did. She that's... told me she was an author and she made me read all 16 Oh, volumes. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been very boring. But anyway, um, that, oh, that's yeah. how we ended up here. <laughs> it's funny. A job drove you to Alaska. Yep. Uh, <laughs> hey, you mentioned a, a moose and uh, I was talking, yes, last night we had the opportunity to have Master DeMarco teach at our dojang. Awesome. He was telling me some of the stories of uh, coming up to, to visit Fairbanks. And uh, he said that you're you're quite the joker, John. <laughs> he said you have yeah. a great sense of humor. <laughs> we have a lot of fun when we have uh, visiting people up here. There's, there's lots of things to do, and yeah, I really enjoy uh, Master Demarco when he comes here. He's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's great. He uh, he he taught about four hours worth of nunchucks uh, classes yeah. for us last night, which was great. Um, so. This is, a, I, I know this is probably, this is a big question. So you, you, you got started with Master Wick. We talked about Master Wick a little bit. Um, that satellite program, did he teach that or was that someone else who taught it? He taught it at first. He used to drive back and forth. Um, and then he, once he had someone high enough rank, um, he had a couple of showdown bows out here. And so they took it over and a couple of black belts too at that point. Um, and so they actually took it over gotcha. for him. And then the program is no longer. Um, it was a it was though. a community schools program, and so there are several uh, grade schools around the Fairbanks North Star Borough. And he would go to each one like four nights a week. He'd go to a different school, and so one would be Two Rivers, one would be University West or Park, and uh, so he was just making the rounds at that point in time. What, what was your first impressions of him? Um. <laughs> well, I, I first met him because at the same school, we had a uh, men's night for basketball and it always followed uh, Master Wick's karate classes. Okay. So uh, I was very impressed with him when I first met him and uh, he had quite a, uh, he probably had maybe 15 or 10 to 15 local people here working out in the gym. And so that was pretty cool. And my, my first impression, honestly, was I he was echoing the values that I wanted my kids to learn. And I can remember sitting there and thinking, you know, that I appreciated that very much. So. Yeah, it's, it, I did joke with people all the time. Uh, you know, you can say that you can say something to your child and then someone else, a karate instructor says the exact same thing and then they, <laughs> they get it and listen to them. <laughs> yeah. So Uniform it's nice. help. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, you know, um, six kids, uh, you, you, you know, you need it. You need some help. <laughs> <laughs> they were great, though. I can't complain. No, I know. What was yeah. training like back then when, you know, when you when you started? So between the two of you, obviously, you started at different times. But was it hard training back then with him? 
we had um we had good workouts i wouldn't say difficult at all just uh, i mean not not difficult to go to um they were good it was good yeah solid Um, always always focused on good technique um working hard and uh yeah was it mostly Tung Sudo? I know he he also did a, a lot of self-defense and the split-second survival stuff. I don't know how, when that came about. His He had a saying that he said, um, anything that's effective is good Tung Sudo. Throw a rock at somebody, that's good Tung Sudo. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he, it, was, it was pretty pure. He didn't um, mix a lot of other arts in at the time. Um, you know, he came up Mudaquan. He actually uh-huh. got his... Um, uh, was awarded his first rank by Wang Ki, um, and he was under Master Willis back in Minnesota. So um, when he came here, he was still a young Don, um, first, second degree, you know, getting those here. So um, where was I? I had a point. I had a point, and it went away. The workouts. Um, the work. Uh, oh, but his so his split second um, didn't come along till a lot later. Okay. Um, he started getting into body logic and some other things, and part of it had to do with. Um, uh, I think just we're getting older and realizing that uh, strength and might aren't always the answer. And he would spend hours and hours with a heavy bag swinging um, by himself with knives strapped to it with bungee cords and other things coming at him and just trying to get different movements and um, understanding how things work. We have a student, Bob Zorn, who's a huge, um, wonderful man. And he'd try something on Bob and if it didn't work, Bob would say, sorry, Lair. <laughs> and he'd throw him to the ground. And uh, but no, that didn't that didn't come about until later. Right. It's all it's always nice to have that guy as like, if it doesn't work on that guy, uh, exactly. we need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned the, all your kids trained. How how far did did most of them get to black belt or farther? Everybody made it to Chodan. Um, we have one son who still trains when he's able, who's Iran, um, a daughter who trains is Iran. Uh, the other three, well, we have, let, let me explain this. Uh, we have, our oldest son is a firefighter paramedic in California. And so that his life is consumed, um, right. you know. Uh, then we have two power linemen. And one of them also travels for work right now. He's in California and they go under helicopters. It's pretty cool to go to the electric lines and things. But anyway, um, so they kind of, they took their own path, but um, they always know the studio's home. You know, and they'll come in, they'll still grab, grab a bow or something and go through something, but uh, they, they uh, don't have the time in their life to train. And we understand how that works, but the others are, are still at it and uh, uh, very supportive of us. We couldn't do it if we didn't have our kids helping. And even the ones who aren't currently training help in other ways. You know, they took down the signs at the old studio, you know, brought a bucket truck over, moved the mirrors, you know, those, those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, they're always there on your call. So that's great. Yep. Our yeah, one that's Sunny, a, huh? Sunny said the same thing that, you know, even if they don't train regularly, that if you guys picked up the call, the phone and said that you needed help with the dojang, that they would be there. <laughs> they yep, could. they would. It's true. And then obviously uh, Master Sonny um, has has stuck with it. And now you have a, a trio of, of, of masters in the family. It's pretty awesome. Pretty crazy. It's not what we envisioned. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, when when she talked, she, you know, she said that in her in her mind, it was always like she just knew that she was going to be a master one day and she was going to have a studio and that that is so true and i mean i would i there i could step aside tomorrow and be she'd be she's already surpassed anything um that we can do and so that's it's just it's a good feeling to know you have someone to uh, carry things on you know especially since we're getting older too <laughs> <laughs> but she was telling telling me how she still teaches from uh, you know, where she lives in North Carolina, she, she logs on and she, she was, uh, I was joking with her that she was doing, you know, uh, FaceTime and doing Zoom, you know, whatever, uh, video yeah. classes before anyone did with the, with the pandemic. It, <laughs> it is so true. And it, it's, it's been pretty effective actually, you know, it's a, a not ideal, but we make it work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
when Zoom first hit, she and I were doing 15 minute privates all day long, you know? So, um, and if it wasn't for her, we would, we would have been clueless. I mean, she set up all the accounts and everything and got us rolling and did the schedule. And all I had to do is push a button and uh, <laughs> voila. Very, very tech savvy and uh, very much an asset. You that, have to be in this regard, world, you know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone had to learn in one way or the other last year. We were the same way doing, I I was teaching classes from my basement. I was mm-hmm. doing, you know, like you said, 15 minute uh, private lessons. I was, we did all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and it, you know, it was different, but we we're really thankful to have that option at least. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Kids disappear from the screen and then they just pop their head up like that little yeah. gopher game where you bonk them and yep. then they put some sort of background screen and they just walk backwards and they disappear into the jungle and yeah. or they're good. they're in it they're in the screen like this. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to kiss the mats when I could finally uh you know teach teach at the oh, Dojang yeah. once we came. I think we were at home for three months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Once we oh, were I able to go back, we stayed there too. We didn't do like half half. We're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. We we had, we actually had a team that helped us out that did classes up until this July. Um, so uh, a couple a couple more people are saying hi. Uh, Sean Rice says hello. Uh, we got Master Mabrook and uh, Master McCarty saying hello as well. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Hello. Hello back. <laughs> So as you, you mentioned the world championships, uh, did you guys ever compete? Like, you know, go to the competitions and actually compete other than the, the creativity divisions? Oh yeah. And <laughs> we felt, you know, and it's kind of what I tell our students too. Why would you go and do that and not compete and not compete in everything? You know, I mean, that's just kind of how. No, I'm with you. I, yeah, I had a student that he's like, Oh, I signed up for judging. I'm like, well, are you going to compete? He's like, no. I'm like, well, you're going to be there. Why not? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, we, we competed as well. And um, he loves to compete. I can't stand to compete and it has nothing to do with doing well or not. You know, I mean, I've been very fortunate to do well. I just don't like competing. It's just not my thing, but he'll get out there and go. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about competing that you like, John? I'm just a very competitive person. And I just like the challenge and, uh, yeah, it's just the whole thing. I've been very competitive my whole life, whether it's in sports or uh, work or whatever. I just always strive to do the best that I could do up to the you know, best of my abilities and give it all I've got. I've always just been that way. I wanted to talk more about the creativity. Were, were you a part of the creativity teams as well, John? I was the um, fabricator of most yeah. ideas that came out and said, oh, you can build this, can't you? Yeah, no problem. And then, uh, so all the technical aspects of it, uh, uh, Master Gebhardt and Master Sonny were the impetus mostly of the music choreography, putting it all together. Uh, but you my were main- in the 2000. You were in the 2000. I was in a couple of the demos, yes. Yeah. Well, I, 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 like I said the, uh, earlier, you know, the people that make the costumes, the fabricators, that's, that's a really important part of those demos as well. <laughs> We were fortunate to have a lot of very talented parents that uh, were seamstresses and could do a lot of the work. And so uh, we had our hands full all the way around, but we had a, a ton of people that pitched in and, and really gave their all to make it all come together. Yeah. Gotcha. So which um, which worlds, you, you mentioned 1992, you just mentioned 2000. What were some of the other ones that you uh, put together teams for? Well, we did the 92, like I said, it was... <laughs> Anyways, 94, um, that was the first year uh, that was in Florida. And that was the first year that they didn't have the top three teams recompete on Saturday. And so Friday night, we had second place and we're like, okay, um, we have to stay up and iron and make everything look great for Saturday. And then Saturday morning, it was like, no, we're not, we changed, I guess, because of time constraints or something. Um, So anyways, so we did 94 too, and then 96, and we were fortunate enough to win that year. And then that was the year when we were going on to like midnight. There were about, uh, there were 34 teams or, or 28. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah, a ton of teams. Um, yeah. And uh, then we did 2000. 
in Anaheim and got fortunate again. And so we had a lot of pressure when we decided to do another one in 2016. And because um, honestly, you never know how um, how a show's gonna go. We know we don't we use regular breaking boards, you know. So you don't know if a board's gonna go. You don't know if um, somebody's gonna freeze or whatever. Or, sure. um, you just don't know how it's gonna go. And so I just uh, I remember talking to the team the night before competition and just saying, guys, I'm just so proud of them. The effort and the work they put in. I mean, there's no way to know if we're gonna place or not, but they just, they put their heart and soul into it. And that's, I think, what makes demo teams so special is that the training really brings everybody together and all the extra effort that people put into it. And so it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. But then we come home and it's like, can't do it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have to recover. But we, we actually were going to do one in 2022 or 2020. We had 44 people, I believe. Yeah, and they are very talented group. We had signed up and they had their tickets and the whole bit. And um, we were pretty much ready to roll. And uh, that, so that was hard, sure. you know, mm -hmm. um, just to tell everybody, um, sorry guys. And I don't know that we can recreate what we had um, just because. Uh, the world has changed. Well, we don't have the same individuals yep. and things. So it's hard to sure, say. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, uh, it's amazing how things can change in life in general, but for martial arts studio, <laughs> when you're talking two years, a lot can change in that time frame. No you know, kidding. People not, not training anymore and things like that. Yeah. Um, one of the stories that, that Master Sunny talked about was you got when that demo for 2016, where you guys were driving and, and you just kind of, you came upon the song, uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, we just uh, we just looked at each other and said, "Got to do it," uh, you know, because that's the thing. Um, well, that's what we learned in '92. Oh, you're supposed to have a theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that's where we kind of, if we don't have something that we feel we drives us toward building a demo, you know, that's kind of the starting point, and that's what that song was. It just we said, "Yeah, we can see this happening." So and that's then awesome. yeah. And then the demo came together and I, I was telling her I was there for that. And, um, uh, you know, it was awesome. Like it, it just the uh, energy in, the, in the, the whole building and the excitement and just watching the team and how invested they were in it. It was, uh, it was a special experience. It really was well, a cool demo. Thank you. They, they gave their all. We we're so proud of them. We were very um, fortunate to have people in the community the that... Uh, you know, gave us facilities in order to have a big enough area to actually uh, perform the demo and practice. Right. The Carlson Center is a huge uh, facility here in Fairbanks, and we had uh, people that gave us access to that, some local gymnasiums and local schools where we had multiple times we could meet there and run through it and have plenty of room. Uh, so, yeah, we were very, very fortunate in that aspect. Yeah, but there were some awesome other demo teams, too. So we felt very fortunate. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like I said, we honestly didn't know how that was going to go. Yeah. Everybody brings their A game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, so I don't know if you might, my background, I, my instructor is Master Godwin. Um, so I was on quite a few of the Korean Martial Arts Institute teams in like 2000, 2004 was my first one. So 2004, 2006, 2008. Awesome. Um, well, that, that's, those are impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like you said, I, I love the camaraderie that that builds. I mean, training, training certainly builds that, but then <laughs> it's actually kind of absurd when you think about the hours, the countless hours put in for five minutes of a, <laughs> you are five minutes of a right. show. Yeah. And it just runs through your brain and does, it won't turn off. <laughs> yeah. And then before you, you know, you just blink and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> And then you got to figure out how to, how you get things back to Alaska or, or do you just, is it just all stay in, in the, where the tournament was? You know, that crossed our mind, uh, but <laughs> fortunately we had enough people to divvy things up and uh, got things back. And um, the one family uh, that uh, we have a military family who is just extremely awesome, has several members and didn't use up all of their baggage. And so um, Britain's family really pitched in and helped us bring things back too. 
Oh, that's right. Uh, the last uh, Lin- Lindsay is uh, Lindsay Dudgeon from the Great Great Britain is uh, watching, and she said that her son and Britain um, uh, they exchanged shirts at the 2018 World Championships. Oh. That's great. We kind of tell the kids, bring an extra just in case, because it's really cool to have those uh, shirts from somewhere else. So being in Alaska, you know, I guess remote, it's, you don't really have to say it's remote for people to know. But when was the first time that you, uh, I guess, 1992, the World Championships, but um, like when you really felt that camaraderie of like a, a worldwide association, would it have been that first World Championships or? when you kind of realized that there was more out there than just your own dojang? Um, well, we had, we were, because we were, our um, region wasn't very developed yet, um, as far as rank wise. I mean, we had Master DeBaca and Master Stein up here all the time. Oh, okay. um, Grandmaster Shin came here several times. Uh, so that even earlier on, pretty much as soon as we started training, we realized this is bigger than our little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the world championships. It was kind of funny. We got, as Alaska, we got invited to go on the foreign cruise. And so <laughs> we, in San Diego, we didn't tell them, we didn't tell them we're from the US too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we went on the, um, there was a cruise ship uh, that night after the championships, and we got to go on that. And uh, really, we were introduced at that time to um, a lot of other people from all over too. And uh, that was, yeah, and Grandmaster Shin was on that as well. And so it was, uh, um, that was an eye-opener, too. That's awesome. Do you have any Grandmaster Shin stories that you guys would uh, want to share? Um, some of the things that stand out in my mind is when he taught a clinic here. And he was no young pup at the time, obviously. And it was a tumbling clinic. And his grace and abilities with tumbling were so amazing and none of us could get out of bed the next day we're like (laughs) i can't roll right i can't roll left what am i gonna do and uh it just his gifts and the fact that he shared them and um every time he came up here uh, we just it was just amazing um an hour of basai on a cement floor with him was a treat you know, um, sure. just uh, he didn't say a whole lot, but he was sure he sure spoke a lot with um, what he chose to do. He was always uh, very affable, very personal, uh, the embodiment of humility, always smiling, always very, very positive. That's what I took away from him. It was um, and genuine, very genuine. Sure. When I went to talk to him one time, I, I said, you know, it's so well, when he started bringing Kigong and he, he did a clinic here and I'm going, okay, whenever I've been on a Don test, it's almost like I go into fog in my head. You know, I mean, it's like the, you know, the pressure and I'm thinking it's gotta be my breathing. It has to be. And so I asked him, I said, you know, I know he's going to have the answer for this and he's going to tell me what I need to do to, uh, you know, what exercises or whatever. And so we talked and he said, I think you tried too hard. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, where am I going to go with that? But, you know, I mean, he's very, um, and it's like, I've, I've had a blown out knee at my first master's clinic and everyone said, have him do acupuncture, have him, um, you know, he'll fix it. He, he did this ankle, he did that. And so he came over and looked at it and he said, I'm an amateur. I can't help you. And, you know, he was never, he never tried to be something he wasn't and he sure could have. You know, I would have believed anything he said, you know, so um, just he was just such a yeah, um, we were so fortunate to have him come up here as much as he did. And uh, yeah, it meant a lot. And he knew everybody. That's what killed me. It actually literally at one <laughs> at one master's that we're doing the warm up and you know how the warm up goes. And, you know, I'm like most of the way back and Christy, do this a little more. I'm going, really? Really? During warm-up? <laughs> really? And uh, we went to, uh, at one of the championships, Sonny went to get his autograph, and he said, hi, Sonny, where's your mom? And she just about dropped, because mm-hmm. how did he know who everybody was? I mean, literally, he, it's amazing to me. It's mind-boggling 
um, I can't remember my next door neighbor half the time. And uh, he just, he, he knew everybody. And that's, that's how important it was to him. And I just, I don't know how he did that. I really don't. Yeah, I, uh, I love that you, John, you said genuine. And, and I see these videos sometimes of these guys doing like, kind of almost looks like witchcraft, like not touching people and knocking them down and things like that. So like you said, I appreciate where you came up and said, hey, can you help me? And no, no, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm just a karate master. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Master, uh, oh, Master Christina Olson says hello. She said, sorry, I'm oh, late. She was up here she recently. Was, yes. Great so to maybe that I was going to go into another question, but uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, you've had quite a few people uh, come up and visit. I one a great picture that Master Sunny used when we did our interview was a picture of her and Grandmaster Bodwin. Um, I'm guessing that was probably the last time he came up. He was here the fall before he passed away. Okay. And um, he was he was such a gracious person too. Um, uh, we didn't know if he'd be able to come up to award her master's rank, and he literally said, "I'll clear my calendar." I mean, he was just such a, an amazing, <laughs> once again, I just, I tell you what, and <laughs> there's just so many wonderful people in this association and from the very top down, you know, it's just, it, it's so, so amazing. And um, anyway, he came and we always try to do something a little bit fun and um, he hadn't been to a gold mine before. So we thought, hey, we have a friend who has a gold mine. We thought we'll take him out in the woods. And then we thought, hmm, this is Grandmaster. We have to be really safe here. We'll make sure we have you know, a couple of vehicles and, um, you know, so if anything happens, we have an extra one, you know, to get them out if there's a, if one breaks down and um, had somebody who's very well versed in driving it to drive. Oh no, he wanted to drive. And he wanted to race. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, move over. I have the controls. And <laughs> I was hanging on for dear life because he's bombing down these gravel roads up and through the banks and the trees <laughs> and he's just having a blast. And uh, he was so much fun. Uh, we, we actually flew to an Inupian village uh, on the North Slope, and we walked around there. It's um, Anatubic Pass, and it's situated there because the migration of caribou comes through there every year, and the people subsist on the caribou. And we walked around there, and he actually met a lady, an Inupian uh, native, who had married a guy in the military and had been stationed back in New Jersey. And they had been to the same restaurant and they knew people together. And so mm -hmm. we're out in the middle of nowhere and they have, they find commonality. And he was, he, he really related to the common person. He always smiled. His smile was so infectious and people were actually drawn to him. He, he was just a, a jewel in the crown. And, and he was one of my favorite people to be around and so positive and like gracious. And it's just, he's an amazing person. He's a lot of fun. Just an amazing person. Yeah. I, I, I got to, we went to Aruba for one of the region 18 championships and um, my daughters were a little younger and he would just, every time he saw them, he would smile and, you know, like just come over and talk to them. And like you said, just genuine and, and just happy to be there. Like, Oh yeah. He kept getting away from all, from the security guys. Like we were at the pool and I just, yeah. we just see him. <laughs> See him walk walking around by himself. He waves. We wave back. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that was very much like uh, Grandmaster Shin was the same way. Where he'd always they they say they always he, he always tries to get rid of us. <laughs> well, and even when he was leaving that time, um, his knee had been bothering him. And when we went to check him in at the airport, uh, they asked him if he wanted to upgrade to a little more legroom, and. He was like, no, no, you know, he didn't want to spend any more money of the region or anything. So obviously we said, oh, yes, you know, <laughs> we want him to. And so, but, you know, he just, oh, my gosh, so unassuming. And, uh, you, you know, know, he had a lot of stories uh, about himself and Grandmaster Shin in the beginnings of the organization and, and uh, all the uh, all the situations that had to come into play in order to form the organization and get it to the level that it is today. And how many times that, you know, it was just positive. Grandmaster Shin was always positive and, and Grandmaster Bodwin was right there with him all the way through. So it was an amazing to see that uh, dedication to the art itself and 
being part of the impetus of World Tongue Sudo in America. Right. Um, you mentioned a little bit of the Masters Clinic, and, and it's kind of hard, at least uh, I'm sure, it, it, at least for me, to think of being a part of that journey and continuation of the art, you know, being masters. Uh, what did it mean to you guys to when you eventually got the chance to, to go to Masters Clinic and, and uh, you know, be a part of that process and just look around? And for me, it was all of my, you know, all of these legends and, and guys I looked up to. It was just an overwhelming experience. <laughs> well, first, I never, I'll never forget Master Wick. Um, when he first went and he came back and he just said he they said why are you smiling and he said because it's just so cool you know and he said he he said even though he was giving us all dying on the floor he couldn't stop smiling because that was um his goal always we never thought we'd be there that was you no, know ours was a different situation and um i had uh I had a botched knee surgery um, the year before I was invited. And I love to go hard too, but you know, when you're not hundred percent, I almost didn't go. Um, Master Wick said, hey, just do what you can do. You know, you'll be okay. You can always not do something. Uh, that's not necessarily true because I'm too stubborn. <laughs> and so I made it a lot worse, you know, and um, uh, I'm still dealing with that. But anyways, uh, then the following year, I actually called Grandmaster Shin because I got a reevaluation. They said, you need a knee replacement, long story short. Haven't done it yet. I just, you know, deal with it. But one of these days I will. And I just called him. I said, I, I'm not going to make it this year. And he said, you know what? He said, you have your whole life. Um, don't worry. Try to heal. And then so I did take a year off. And then I went back the year after and uh, had, had had some time to kind of figure out how to work around it a little better, you know. Um, and then... It was an amazing experience, and just the opportunity to go and, and uh, see what goes on there. And, and um, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done as well. Um, one thing that stands out, we were doing the second uh, sword form, Master Purnell, and I had Master Paul right behind me. I kept turning wrong every time it was my turn to go out, and I'd always end up the wrong way. And I would come off, back off the floor and, and Master Paul would say, don't worry, you'll get it next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. I He just reminded me, um, Master Miguel Soto, um, he and I were both injured. He had broken his kneecaps. And I tell you what, that formed a lifetime. I, I feel it'll be a lifetime bond. Um, we're just supporting each other. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And uh, that was so cool. I mean, just even at that situation, you know, and under that kind of pressure, it just, ah, uh, that's amazing. You're talking about Master Soto from Puerto Rico? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's true there too. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's funny too. Because when Master Sunny was, went to, or Sunny went to um, uh, San Diego, she said, oh, I met Miguel Soto. I'm like, cool. And then she said a picture of something. I go, that's not Miguel Soto. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking about? <laughs> But anyway, so that was kind of funny too. <laughs> no, and I agree. Uh, the, those bonds are amazing. John, I, I was trying to think of this. I'm pretty sure you and I overlapped. I think I was a second year candidate when you when you were a first year candidate. Um, I, could, I wasn't 100% sure. I think my second year was 2016. I don't remember when you went. I just remember... Um... Um, just taking it so seriously because I wanted, you know, to do well and uh, always try to make the time limits that Master Gallagher said, you know, you don't want to be late getting back. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the anticipation of the actual test after the, on that Saturday after an all day workout and then, you know, you did your written and then you just kind of just kind of hung out and it just there was this anticipation in the air. What, what's coming next? Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it all went so great. And the biggest, the, the coolest part was when you get back and all the people that are waiting for you to congratulate you when you come back, that really cemented it in as uh, this is all worth it. These people are great. And there's all this support that you have. And that was really special for, to, for people to, to be there to congratulate you coming back in, you know. And I was kind of 
go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, how was it when you had the opportunity to finally do that for Sonny? This is very, very special just to see that uh, her get to that level and to do so well. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Just fantastic. So that um, uh, there's something that I think not a lot of people are aware of that I think is important. Um, going back to Master Wick and Master's Clinic and things, it was such um, such a part of his life when he was sick. Um, well, okay, um, let me back up a little bit. 2000, we used to talk all the time. Um, finally, his family felt it was better for him to not, uh, they needed him to rest more. And so near the very end, we didn't uh, get to talk as much, but um, early, uh, 2016, uh, he'd call and he'd say, when's Master's Clinic again? When's Master's Clinic again? And I'm going, why on earth are you asking? Because he had left here uh, July, 2015. And um, we knew he, he couldn't you know, attend in 2016. I mean, he was too ill. But he kept asking about that date. And you know, it just stuck in the back of my mind. And so, uh, we were, when we were flying down uh, that year, 2016, um, I woke up that week. We usually go in to, um, the night before because of the time difference and things, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But so I woke up Thursday morning and I was like, man, I'm still really tired. So I just went back to sleep for a little bit and then got up and I said, oh, no, I'm sick. <laughs> this is not tired. I'm really sick. And um, I was I was sicker than I'd ever been that whole weekend. Um but I knew Master Wick, um, how important Master's Clinic was to him. And I texted his sister and I said, you know, um, we're here at Master's Clinic. He kept asking me when it was, will you please just tell him, um, you know, that everybody here loves him. And, you know, um, she said, I don't think he's gonna make it through the weekend. And so that's when I first heard that and I'm going, oh my gosh. I couldn't leave my room. Um, he was a candidate, so he wasn't around. And actually, I was supposed to have, um, I, I said, don't give me a roommate. I said, I don't want anybody in this room because whatever I have is bad. And um, Master Utech would check on me a couple of times and just see if I was still alive. He said, I look so bad, I scared him to death. He hasn't gotten over the nightmares. But anyway, <laughs> and then of course, the wonderful staff. Um, I mean, my gosh, Rachel Strong and her, everybody there, they're so kind. And so they were really good about checking on things. But all I could think about was I have to do something. So I thought um, maybe get everybody to sign um, a uniform. Maybe I just couldn't think of what to do. And his sister said, uh, he's really not responding to much. She said, I'll tell him. She said, but I know he can still hear. And I thought, okay, if he can still hear, the only other thing I, I could think of was to have a video recording. Um, so I asked Master Utech to try to get in touch with Grandmaster Bodwin and have him record something that we could play, you know, because, and I kept telling his sister, I said, this is what he's hung on for. This is why. And <laughs> sorry. Mm. Um, I truly believe that's what he was hanging on for was that last master's clinic. And um, because, you know, then it all made sense. Of course, he kept asking what day it is or when it is. And um, so anyways, we did end up getting a recording. Um, I don't know if he was able to hear it or not, but he did know that that was that last master's clinic. And just as we, after brunch, as we all left, that's when he passed away. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I will never, I, I truly believe that's what kept him going. That's what he was hanging on for um, because he was so amazed in 2015. I mean, he was, had tears in his eyes coming off the floor after young, but he made it through it. So anyways, I just think uh, that uh, Tungsido can go really deep in a person's life. Let's put it that way. And it's definitely what um, drove him. Yeah, I was there in 2015 and I, I, I know how uh, emotional everyone was with him being there. And, um, you know, he was just, his energy was infectious. Like, even though you knew he was, you know, it was tough, but like every, he taught, like he taught himself. I don't know. Did you watch the interview I did with Sonny? 
I didn't get a chance to do all that, but sorry. Uh, it's okay. No, it's okay. I, I'll share a quick story. I did this self-defense with him and my wife said, "What you know, whatever you do, don't volunteer for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was up front and um, he, he called a couple of, he's like, where are the candidates? Give me some candidates. And so I go up there and he has three of us circle him. And the first thing he does, he smacks me right in the face. And uh, <laughs> just as hard as he could. And uh, she was like, I told you. But uh, I was like, hey, that's a fun, you know, that's a, a fun memory. And like I said, I, I, I saw um, how emotional everyone was and how thankful they were that they got to, to share that last, that last time with him. Um, I know, I'm sure it meant a lot to him and I know it meant a lot to everyone around him. Oh, we were watching him like a hawk because he was doing the things <laughs> he was supposed to do. And it's right. like, you know, but that, you know what? He honestly would have preferred to go out in that setting. So he didn't care. Right. I was like, you know, let me die doing what I love. And um, so, cause there was no holding him back. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you try to like, I'm sure you have lots of students at this point who never got a chance to meet him. What do, what do you do in Fairbanks to, to try to uh, honor his memory and, and try to keep his like training and teaching alive? You know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think just everything that we learned so much from him that we have taken what it's ingrained in what well, we, after training with him for so long, it's ingrained in us the way he would teach, but also we've made our own changes, Sure. you know? Um, and part of it, it is really difficult to, um, boy, that's a tough question because it's also something where you have to move forward. Yeah. And we have to keep everybody forward thinking. And um, it's, uh, yeah, so that has been a challenge for us. Honestly, I think you answered it. I mean, it's the same thing where we talk about with Grandmaster Shin. You just you just continue forward sharing the art. And so it's the same thing. You continue sharing his, you know, his love of Tung Sudo, you know, in, in your area. And, you know, you know, that's what he would want you to do. So, right. I mean, yep. that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> just keep training, right? Exactly. <laughs> um. Uh, George Berardi, George and Debbie Berardi uh, says hello, and they say, "Great, you guys are great examples of masters." Oh my um, gosh! Thank you, thank you so much. Hello <laughs> to them as well. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, we're we're getting close to wrapping up. Uh, it's been an hour, believe it or not. Um, wow. Is is there anything else that we haven't touched base on that you wanted to to share or talk about before we we finish? Just, um, well, we appreciate uh, the, opportunity. the opportunity to talk to you and with everybody that uh, tuned in to listen to our interview and uh, welcome you folks that are interested to come to Alaska at any time to please uh, make the trip and enjoy our beautiful state. And um, We've also um, been had the opportunity to host Grandmaster Strong a few times too. And so we didn't mention him before with the others and uh, uh, we uh, have enjoyed those times as well. And just uh, anybody who comes up, please come by and stay, say hi. And we'd love to um, give you a little tour. We And anytime we have, um, uh, we'll make time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I've had lots of my, uh, I'm good friends with the Foshnots and like I said, oh, Master I Marco and Cindy Jones. Yes. Yeah. We've had um, a Master Robinson. We've had a lot of an amazing. We could never remember everybody who yeah, came. Right. Huge women's group, Master Wolverton and all. Of, uh, just an amazing people have come up and um, we gained so much from them. And it's so important for the students. You know how you asked before about how did we realize that it's bigger than us? Well, all of our students who don't have the opportunity to travel, can't talk straight, to travel maybe, um, that is their view into right. the rest of the world. And so it is, we really appreciate it. Um, one guy that we we mentioned a little bit, but Master Utech, I know you guys aren't exactly close, but uh, you just talk real quick as we finish up with some of the guys that are up there with you in Alaska. I know him and Master Draper and 
Um, and then um, our studio in Wasilla um, is run by Logan Thornton. And okay. uh, he's, uh, he's a Samdan at the moment. So might be meeting him down the road. <laughs> and there uh, it's a, our region, we're very blessed to have, um, it's just, we all get along. And it's really nice. And That's we awesome. work together and coordinate things. We don't get to see, maybe it's because we don't get to see each other so often. Yeah. There you go. That's the secret okay. sauce. <laughs> but uh, no, um, we, we're, we feel pretty lucky to be in this region and uh, it's all as well. Yeah, yeah. With, with COVID, right, and all that's happened, I'm, um, we have the U.S. Nationals we're hosting in Region 8. And we're looking, right. looking forward to seeing people that I haven't seen in so long. <laughs> That's going to be huge. We wish we could go um, financially and with the move. Um, yeah. We're, yeah, we're sending Sunny. Sunny will be our representative there. That's we're right. Three students. Um, oh, excellent. Well. Yeah, but awesome. other than that, um, we uh, we really wish we could be in there in person too. That's yeah, one of the drawbacks of living up here. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, the whole moving the studio thing. <laughs> Well, yep. again, I, I want to thank both of you uh, for joining me. I, I had a lot of fun getting a chance to, to chat and uh, hear a little bit about your 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 history in the martial arts with, you know, like Chrissy is giving me I, I, 30 years next year, right? 1992. That's yeah. amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, coming up. <laughs> uh, so I, I appreciate you joining us. Hey, we got through it without any Wi-Fi issues. So that's Amazing. awesome. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank You've you been so much. A wonderful host. And just, uh, yeah, yep. we've enjoyed Very it as well. Enjoyed it. We look forward awesome. to seeing you in person. Yes. Uh, well, thank you everyone for watching. And uh, if you if you liked it, share it for us uh, and and spread the word. So thank you, everyone. Tung Su. Tung Su.